everybody, and welcome to the newly named, newly rebranded Gridiron City show. I am your host, Alan Barney. You can find me on Twitter at Alan J underscore B. That is A L L E N J underscore B, all lowercase. And with me on the show, I got my good friend and co host, Danny Heffernan. How you doing tonight? Pretty, pretty good, man. You excited I'm, to finally get back? Yes, it's been a, quite a long layoff. I'm fired up to talk football as we are going to move away from the multi-sport show for now anyways and just focus on the, the pigskin, <laughs> college football yes. and pro football, the most popular sport in America to most people. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely, definitely. And, you know, what's got everybody going is the college football playoff rankings every Tuesday – ESPN knows how to grab everybody in and get it trending. So definitely uh, looking forward to talking about that because I got a couple big complaints about that. So, Oh, you can join the list, buddy. There are lots of complaints. I was on Twitter Tuesday night when the new rankings came out. And let's just say that it's going to be hard for the committee to to please everybody, which obviously is not a surprise. You're not going to be able to do that in a setting – of this style with so many factors involved where it's not so cut and dry like the the nfl when there's championships on the line so uh get a quick rundown of the rankings obviously georgia bulldogs sitting at number one they are 10 and 0 and they look like a monster right now especially on the defensive side then their rival (laughs) they got a a lot of guys on that defense that are headed for the NFL first and second day, that's for sure. Uh, their rival in the SEC, Alabama Crimson Tide, the defending national champs, sit at number two. They are 9-1 and one with their one loss being a three-point loss at Texas A&M back in October. Which, remember that, because that's the big. That's a really big complaint with me. But we're going to continue. Go ahead. Let's finish. <laughs> Uh, number three, uh, one of the bigger surprises to me is not that they're successful, but that they're still in the hunt. And that's the Oregon Ducks, who are also nine and one. Their loan loss was a overtime loss at Stanford back in the early part of the season. I believe it was either the week after their win at Ohio State or two weeks after. So there might have been some repercussions mentally for the team from that big win. And then at number four is that team they beat uh, on the road in September, the Ohio State Buckeyes, who sit at nine and one. And so that's the top four, Georgia, Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State. And then at five, you got the Cincinnati Bearcats, who are 10 and 0. At number six and number seven, really interesting, you got arch rivals, Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan, their one loss is to Michigan State in East Lansing. And then Michigan State's lone loss was at Purdue a few weeks ago, which was an ugly loss and very surprising. But maybe not so surprising because Purdue seems to be that team that shows up when uh, they're playing a top five team, as we've seen in the past. <laughs> yes, just ask Urban Meyer. <laughs> yeah, Urban Meyer, Kirk Ferentz, they've, been, they've done it to two top five teams this year. Yes, so. yeah. yeah, they have. And then at number eight, we got the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, who are nine and one. Their one loss, a seven-point loss to Cincinnati at home uh, back in October. At number nine, we got the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are the highest-ranked Big 12 team. Didn't think many people 
had that on their bingo card to, at the start of the year. And no. then may, maybe an even bigger surprise at number 10, and that's where we'll stop at with 10, is uh, Wake, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 9-1 and one as well. Their lone loss, which was a very winnable game. They had a two-possession lead in the second half, but uh, they lost to at North Carolina a few weeks ago. So, as you said, Danny, you had some complaints. Before I get well, into mine, let's hear yours. Well, my, my biggest complaint right now is I think – we do when you deal with ESPN and the media outlets, they're Alabama's ranked two only because of the simple fact of their history, because of Nick Saban, because of just the playmakers they assume are going to come out of the woodwork, so to speak. But when you actually break it down, the defense it, that's not an Alabama defense we're used to seeing. Um, the offense is the offense, but Bill O'Brien does find a way every game to have questionable play calls then stats will look good um, just because they're so talented but that's not this is not an Alabama team that you say hey it's going to run the table and I honestly believe if they played Georgia Bill O'Brien would be lost just like he was as the GM for the Houston Texans lost when he traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson lost so uh, just a couple little complaints about that because I think we're giving Alabama's loss to Texas A&M was embarrassing. Um, Texas A&M is not, that's not a good football team, but again, the SEC logo and the SEC powerhouse, they say, um, and I get it. There's a lot of homers, a lot of Florida fans listening right now that are saying, we play in the best conference and I get it. It's, it is, you know, most of the time the best conference, but this, this year it is, if we're being honest, it's, it's a down year for the conference. Um, Georgia is dominant. Don't get me wrong. But when you watch the Georgia games, if you don't turn the ball over on your own end of the field and you and you just play basic football, I would like to see their offense actually drive down the field. Um, I don't think their offense is as good as their, their defense sets up their offense, if that makes any sense. So I think they can be beat. It's going to take a perfect effort because, like you said, that Georgia defense is phenomenal. I can't – there. I will not say one bad word about that defense. That Georgia defense is – it could probably stop a couple NFL offenses right now. <laughs> they are well coached on the defensive side of the ball. There's no doubt about it. So, um, as for the Oregon Ducks, I think that's a phenomenal program right now. And Cristobal has got them boys rolling because – especially on the offensive side, they don't have one NFL player on that offense. Not one. I, I truly don't believe that. Their defense is good. They got they got two top, I would say, 25 picks on the defensive side. Um, but that loss against Stanford, if you remember, their whole offensive coaching staff was out with COVID that, that, that week. So I really think they should get a pass with that because when you lose your coaching staffs, it's, it's especially when you're dealing with kids, it's a big problem. So, um, and then Ohio state, I don't think they can, they, they, they can't stop anybody. So if they get in, which I think they could be, I think Michigan could, this could be Michigan's year to upset them. Um, but we, every, I'm sure every Michigan fan says that every year. So not that I'm a Michigan fan far from that. I'm just saying Ohio state, they can't stop anybody. They just outscore you. So um, but yeah, my biggest complaint would be Alabama getting too much love from the media. They're a top 10 team, but they're not, they're, they're not a playoff team right now. Okay. So 
I'm sensing some ACC homerism right there. No, <laughs> no, 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 because the ACC is is it's an ass of a conference. Excuse my language, but it's terrible this year. It is down. Clemson carried us for most of the years, and they're down now. So I'm just saying, I think the Alabama love affair from years past and everything they're giving them too much credit. So okay, they have a lot of they have a lot of holes on that roster, and and especially it's not an Alabama defense we're used to seeing. Is my point, and that Texas A&M loss should be a penalty against them somehow, some way. Right. Okay, so I I tend to agree with you. I were I'm sorry. I will agree with you on that. Alabama is not as untouchable as they have been in years past, especially in comparison to last year's team that was just an absolute buzzsaw. And that it was it was going to happen. I mean, they lost a ton of guys, especially at the quarterback position. They had new a new offensive coordinator and Bruce O'Brien, a new defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. there is expected to be drop off. I I will say A and M may not be a very good team offensively, especially after they lost starting quarterback Haynes King in Week Two and Zach Calzada, a redshirt freshman who hadn't had really any college experience, had to come in and he's done an admirable job and. He just had one of those games against Alabama where he did everything right. And I remember watching the second half of that game and I couldn't believe this kid, what he was doing. Yeah. And I was like, well, we got a star on our hands. And then the next week he went right back to what he was usually doing. So he's a freshman that's given, you know? Yeah. And A&M is not a bad team. They are ranked number 16 with, even with three losses. So, and all three of their losses are, Two, sorry, two of their three losses are to teams that are ahead of them. And then they have a, a not-so-good-looking loss to at Mississippi State. But you catch Mississippi State on the right day when their offense is moving with their air raid, and it can be a problem. Uh, obviously, Georgia, get it. They're number one. Their, their defense is ranked number two overall in yards per play at 3.9. Um. And yards per game. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry to interrupt. I don't care about what those numbers say. At the end of the day, the Georgia defense is number one in the country. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they, I, they, I get I get the numbers, but let me tell you something. That Georgia defense, I'm telling you, could probably stop a couple off. It, it could probably stop Jacksonville's offense right now, the Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I understand where you're going with that. Their offense is nothing to write home about. I mean, yeah. It's well documented what Kirby Smart has, how he's handled quarterbacks in the past with the Justin Fields, mm-hmm. Jake Fromm situation. Exactly. And then coming into this year, you know, a lot of people in that fan base hyped up JT Daniels as the a Heisman candidate, and that's not panned mm-hmm. out dude, may, no. due to injuries. And maybe he's just not that good. It's hard, but we, we don't know because the mailman, Stetson Bennett, has come in and really just he's hung on to the job. He's the, perfect de- uh, example of what you would call a game manager at quarterback and their yeah. offense is number 43 in the country tied for 43rd mm-hmm. at 435 yards per game so it's going to be i think it's going to be interesting if they get caught into a shootout which is kind of hard to envision anybody on there any other offense facing that defense getting into a shootout but it could happen i think alabama has the horses to do it it's, it's just can Alabama's defense do enough to stop Georgia's power run game? And yeah, 
And, and I, I don't think, think Alabama has the horses this year for that. So, yeah, well, but the thing is, I, in my opinion, if Alabama could get up to a two touchdown lead, can Stetson Bennett lead them out of it? So there's a lot of question marks for that offense and for Alabama's defense. Oregon's really good. Uh, I think they're, I think the Pac 12 is actually better than what's been in the past. Um, yeah. And I, they haven't had a playoff team since washington in 2016 so they, the, the whole conference really needs them to make the playoffs to help that reputation and then ohio state i can agree with you there they're they're there they have great offense their defense not so much although it has improved slightly since they made a change at coordinator mm-hmm. and but as we saw in the purdue game they just get they can get into a shootout and that's what they did i mean they did score 59 but they also gave up 31 to Purdue. Uh, do you think Cincinnati deserves to be in the top four if they go undefeated? I do. I do. And the reason I do is because most of their starters returned. And if you're from last season, and if you remember last year's bowl game against Georgia, they, sh- they could have won that game. They should have won that game. Um, they were right in there the whole game, the whole, the whole time. They were running on Georgia. I know I understand Georgia's defense is much better this year, but – for the most part, I think what happens on the field should matter more than what you and I or any media member is saying. As far as I seen Cincinnati play against Georgia last year, should have, could have won the game. I understand that, but they, they held their ground. They've done better against Georgia than a lot of the quote unquote SEC schools. Okay. We just seen, we just seen Florida play Georgia and they look like they didn't even belong on the same field. So um, they, we've seen Cincinnati play Notre Dame. Notre Dame, say what you want about them. They're, they don't win championships, but they're consistently a 10-win team. They consistently put players in the NFL. They have top dogs on their roster um, that all the other schools in the country have tried to get. So in Cincinnati is obviously a second-tier school, and they're, they're putting together a program up there, and I think they can play. I know they're playing Tulsa and all these other games close to these lower level schools close but when you when you deal with kids that don't know how to win and um they haven't consistently done it there it's just you get a little bit of a boredom because their heads get big it's just you're dealing with children you're dealing with kids it's, you know 17 18 19 years old and they just say oh we're playing tulsa we just beat notre dame a couple weeks ago tulsa would be no problem you know you get that that mindset and i understand it's a coach's job to get that out of their heads but sometimes it just coaches can't get to every player on their team and it just causes a little distraction and a little ego and they slip up and barely scrape by these kids. I mean, these lower tier schools, but once you get up for these Notre Dame games, Georgia games, they're going to be smacking them right in the mouth too. Cincinnati is a top four team. And if they finish undefeated, they deserve to be in. Now the question is, I have to ask you now, since we brought that up, because obviously we're on pace here for Georgia-Bama. I don't see Auburn beating Alabama. Georgia's not going to lose. So, But what if Bama beats Georgia? Does Georgia still stay in the top four, even though their strength of schedule is terrible? It's, I, don't, I don't believe it's in the top 75 strength of schedule. Uh, they, don't have one, they don't have one significant win under their belt. Uh, well, I mean, they did beat a pretty solid 5-5 five and five Florida team. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, and, 
and, and let me say this. It's not to their own fault because they tried to schedule Clemson. Nobody knew Clemson was going to be this bad this year. Oh, I, that's, okay, what, so. that's what I was just about to get to. I mean, it's no fault of their own that Clemson's offense imploded or that Florida's program in general imploded or that uh, their other opponents don't seem to be as good as – but also how much – a lot of the, we say that a lot of the offense they've faced are bad, but maybe it's just that their defense is that good because Florida. Oh, there's no doubt about their defense being that good. But my point is, if you look back to that Georgia Clemson game, and I understand it was week one, they only won that game because of a pick six. Their offense didn't move the ball against Clemson like that. They didn't score. You know, their only touchdown was a pick six because Clemson, their offense is, which they lost a lot of talent to the NFL too. So uh, does that, I mean, is that really a good win when you see, okay, I we only beat a terrible Clemson team by seven points and it was off of a pick six, you know what I mean? So right. I, I just, how do you, how do you, you can't put Georgia and Alabama in the top four. If, if I, Alabama beat, if Alabama beats Georgia, it's just not – they're not – you just can't do it. Well, it's, And that's where, that's where my biggest problem is with college football right now where it's at. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. I was, I was going to say, I mean, it's happened before. 2017, they, Georgia won the SEC, but Alabama got in as a non-conference champion. Mm -hmm. But my point is, let's say Alabama does beat them, and then you have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, one of them's prob is probably going to get in winning the Big Ten, and then mm -hmm. you got Oregon. Uh, mm -hmm. So now it becomes more or less probably a battle between an undefeated Cincinnati team, and then either a one-loss Georgia or Alabama. And would I to me, I would like to see a little bit of new blood in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. and that's a completely unbiased opinion being a fan of an SEC team not Georgia and that's not Georgia Alabama so mm -hmm. yeah I just don't think the committee will do it um I also think that the context of if Alabama does beat them how bad does Georgia look because if Bama beats them by you know three four touchdowns then you know questions well, start to well. come up about Georgia mm -hmm. and did they just take advantage of a superior defense and bad offenses? Mm -hmm. And then for Bama, I know everybody would be tired of them making it in, but they could very well prove themselves to be the top team with that. But uh, to answer your question, I do I want that to happen? If Bama beats Georgia both to make it in, no. Will I think it happen? Yes. I just don't – hear and I knew you were going to say that, and most people are. And I know you're not being biased right now because we, we take our show pretty serious. But here, And then here's the problem, what I have in the direction of the sport, because now it's pretty much going to be – and it's not going to happen next year, but it's going to pretty much be – it's going to be amateur football, okay, um, because you're going to have all the teams left over join the Big Ten, and it's going to be the Big Ten versus the SEC. Um, it's going to have to happen that way because that's the reason why Oklahoma and Texas jump ship from the Big 12. You could say it's money. You can say it's this. You can say it's that. But Oklahoma and Texas both seen this coming. And every year, year in and year out, you're getting this SEC bias. And I get it. Most years, the year you brought up with Georgia and Alabama, the, the conference was a much, much tougher that year than it is this year.
Okay, you had Texas A&M is it's it's not a, a top 16, 17 team. I'm sorry, I you, you you've said it. You're, you lost your starting quarterback. Their defense is you know good. I granted that, but you lose your starting quarterback. That's that's you know that's a disaster right there. So I get what everybody's saying. I know there's going to be a lot of SEC homers on this, but you cannot leave out Cincinnati. So my and my biggest worry is it's going to happen if Alabama upsets Georgia. They're going to put Georgia to four. They're going to put Bama to one, and and well, they'll probably put Georgia to three. I'm sorry because they're not, yeah. and they're going to try to clap, you know, get an all SEC national title game again. And and that's where the committee has to step in and do the right thing by the rest of the country because yes. It may it may matter that Georgia was dominant all year, granted, and then they lose one game to Alabama, but you have to factor everything else in in other schools. And you have to give those same excuses to the other schools that you would Georgia. So that's my point. Right. <clears throat> the only the only hole I, I kind of could see in that is that when you just said right there is putting Alabama one, Georgia three there seemed to be an automatic assumption that it's going to be them in the title game. So that makes me think that not, not only you, but other people think that Ohio state or Oregon won't beat either one of these teams. And wouldn't that be the essence of the playoff is eventually you get to the two best teams. And I, I kind I, I solely believe that Alabama and Georgia are a step above the rest this year. So I, I don't believe Ohio state can beat. Alabama or Georgia, but I do believe Cincinnati can beat Alabama or Georgia. And that sounds crazy. And, you know, it, you say what you want, but that, that Cincinnati team is tough as shit. And I've, I've seen it. I've watched a handful of times and I know they've struggled recently and I, they're scraping by on these wins, but I really do think that's a complacency thing. I think because when they played Notre Dame, they dominated the Notre Dame game. They got up for it. And ever since that game, they have not been the same team. They've kind of just, complacent they like okay we we know we're good and they're getting full of themselves obviously and i think it's just they're that program that just gets up for those big games and then those little games they kind of just go through the motions so um i do believe that cincinnati can pull an upset on one of those two schools i don't believe ohio state has i don't think they have the defense to do it right well that's an interesting take and um you know maybe hopefully we'll like I said, see some fresh blood and maybe we'll put, let's put the pressure on Georgia. Let's see if they can take care of business and finally slay Alabama, knock them off. Then we won't even have to worry about this sort of uh, scenario and more than likely Cincinnati would make their way in. So, but yes, that's what I'm hoping for. So (laughs) to go on to the, the other end of the spectrum, as we were just talking about top programs in the country. Um, Let's talk about a couple Mm -hmm. of so-called legendary programs in the Sunshine State who have both seemed to have hit rock bottom. You got the Miami Hurricanes who stand at five and five. They're coming off of what was an embarrassing loss, so to speak, to their arch rival Florida State, a game that realistically they should have won considering the state of the Florida state program right now. And regardless of it being on the road, I was very surprised, but also not surprised to see that Miami lost. And that's no indictment on the players. I think that's more on the coaching staff with Manny Diaz 
So as mm-hmm. a diehard Hurricane fan, can you break down what the issue is with this Miami program right now? There's no real leadership. There's no there's no leadership. There's no accountability. Um, th- he's a quote unquote players coach. He makes excuses. And his fa- his his biggest quote is, well, our players tried hard. We fought. He's one of those coaches that give participation trophies to everybody. Um, you finish last place. Here you go. You get a trophy. You get a medal. He always wants to reward kids. He never wants it. There's no disciplinary action with anybody uh, in that program. Um, and it's a lost cause. At this point, we lost King at the beginning of the year and our offensive coordinator, Lashley, uh, he, he did, he's done a great job with uh, true freshman Van Dyke. Um, we've had a countless amount of injuries on the offensive side of the ball and our offense is still producing outside the Alabama game, uh, which we're obviously weren't on that level regardless. There's no excuse. Um, we just flat out got beat, but defensively, we have horses. We have guys that will be in the NFL if they're coached up right. We have coach. We have guys that Alabama wanted. We had guys that Georgia wanted. Um, but for some reason, our defense, we can't stop a nosebleed. It's it's so damn bad. Uh, missed tackles. We've had the same issues for the last five years. We probably lead the country. And I don't know the exact number, but the, <laughs> I'm telling you, most missed tackles by any defensive program in the country. So – um, yeah, there's no accountability. He's not a head coach. He was Mark Rick was forced to step down because he wouldn't fire his son. And they quickly scrambled once they realized he wasn't going to Mark Rick wasn't going to fire his son, which was dumb in itself to even ask him. So they quickly offered Manny Diaz the job and he resigned from Temple, came to Miami because they thought it was a great fit culture wise. And he was already the defensive coordinator, knew the players, la da 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 da. But it was it set the program back another three, four years. So at this point in time, it's Florida's to take. If <laughs> if uh, they can just ride this ship with old Mullen here. So because oh. Florida State, Florida State's they're probably 10 years away. I don't care what took place last Saturday. That's that's a disaster. <laughs> um, before I move on to Florida and I, I could probably uh, argue with you on that missed tackle stat. Florida's probably got more. um uh, miami recently fired this week fired their athletic director blake james does that play into this does manny diaz is he out at the end of the year regardless of what happens these last two weeks if if the the leadership at the university actually cares about sports and wants to put the money into the program yes um, but that's the same problem since 2001. They haven't wanted to spend money. And that's the problem. People don't realize that they haven't wanted to put the money into the program. They have cl- just sat on all the money we've got from the, joining the ACC. And they haven't wanted to spend money on a big time coach. If you look at our last three coaches, uh, Randy Shannon, was that was his first time coach. Al Golden, it was his first big time coaching job. He was at Temple, yes, but it was he was never it was not a power five program. He didn't have to, he was, at, uh, you know, he was really lost when it came to coaching in a, in a big time conference like the ACC. I mean, compared to Temple anyway, he tried to bring a Penn State type culture down to Miami and it was that was never going to fit. So that was another disaster of a hire. And then we kind of started going in the right direction with Rick. 
And then Margaret got into his feelings with his church going stuff and hiring his son and wanting to coach his son to be an offensive coordinator and all this other stuff. And he was a disaster to those kids. It was unfair. And um, he destroyed the Kosey Perry's career because of it. And James Williams. Um, yeah. The list goes on and on of just disaster hires. So if, if they can actually put the money towards the program, then yes, I have no doubt in my mind somebody want to go ahead and be the head coach in Miami because it's it's a recruiting pipeline down there is is phenomenal. If you can just put a fence around from Orlando down to South Florida, you can build a national championship team. So it's just get, it's just the university paying for a, a legit head coach, right? Um, Which none, none of us can answer that because we don't we don't know obviously. <laughs> it's 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 interesting because a lot of the the situation and the, the issues that come with it for Miami mirror what's going on at Florida and on the outside, looking in at Miami, it's really surprising. You know, it's been 20 years since the titles come around since they've been in, mm-hmm. I don't, re- I can't recall which year they joined the ACC, but the fact that they haven't even been able to pull off an ACC championship is shocking to say the least, mm-hmm. just be based off the recruiting opportunity alone as you mentioned but you know a couple lame duck head coaches in a row get you into a position where the trajectory of a program's down and a lot of people forget the potential of a program like Miami and it usually takes an innovator and the in the coaching as a head coach to come in and really change things up a bit mm-hmm. and it's, yep. it's a lot of the issues that Florida's dealing with I mean Mullen, uh, before I get to Mullen, I might I have to preface this with Will Muschamp was a great recruiter, great defensive coach, but he just could not get out of his own way on offense. And yep. and then Jim McElwain came in. He he wasn't as good of a recruiter, but was still pretty solid. But he just he had a lot of issues internally, and he just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And then the fake death threats came out, and that kind of torpedoed it. And yeah. then you have Mullen who comes in. And a lot of Gator fans right now, or I shouldn't say a lot, there are two sides of the story right now with the Gator fans. You know, you got the side who's who sees similarities to this situation with Muschamp and McElwain, and they know where this is headed and they want him gone. And then you got the yeah. other side who are very appreciative of what Mullen did because he brought us out of the depths because in 2017, we went four and seven. It was an ugly year. McElwain was let go after the Georgia game. We still had four more games to play. It was a bad year. Even though the 13 season, 2013 season was bad and everybody remembers the Georgia Southern loss, mm-hmm. I personally think 2017 was worse because at least in 2013 – I don't want to make excuses, but man, there were a lot of injuries. By the time the season finale came against Florida State, and even that Georgia Southern loss, we were down to our they, they were down to their third third quarterback, third string quarterback, who was initially a walk on. There's I I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say that at least 15 guys from the that were starters at the beginning of the season were gone by that point in the season with injuries. So. And the Muschamp still had the recruiting going, and it was just they got to, they had to fix some things and get healthy. Seventeen, it was just a total complete breakdown of the program, and mm-hmm. 
McIlwain just he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and that put us in a black a very bad hole but Mullen came in turned everything around offense was the name of the game again uh, just like the 90s not as good obviously but it was refreshing to see an offensive minded guy come in and actually produce. Yeah. And then, but I, a lot now of the people, defense, now the defenses fell off. Well, <laughs> so. the, the thing is people should have saw this coming. I for mm-hmm. one didn't, but Todd Grantham has his reputation. It's third and Grantham. Everybody knows about it. Any quarterback yeah. who can sit in the pocket and, break down and make his reads he's going to eat up that defense and we saw it time and time again in 2018 uh jake Fromm did it drew lock who i don't think is very good absolutely mm-hmm. shredded our defense that year in 2019 I, joe burrow that's an ex- that, that's a different story that was a different yeah. level of offense but jake Fromm did it to us for the yeah. second year in a row and then last year even uh we i <laughs> Mac Jones is excusable in that game, but you had guys like Kellen Mond and Max Johnson making his first collegiate start on the road at night in the swamp the week before the SEC title game on senior night. And he tore us up and the defense just progressively got worse. And as you were saying with the missed tackles, it's a pro I mean, everything on defense is a problem, especially when you give up 52 points to Samford, we're, Mm -hmm. we're talking about another, we're talking about double rock bottom. I mean, the South. Well, but go ahead. I'm sorry. And on top, and on, and on top of that, like it goes back to what I said about Miami. There's no disciplinary actions taken on some of these players. You brought up the LSU game last year when the corner throws the shoe. You know, I, I mean, I forget, I forget the the corner's name, but he, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he just threw the shoe, and you guys would have got the ball back. So right. I don't. Yeah, I there's no. There's no leadership on the defensive side. And, and yeah, that does fall on Mullen. But I will, I, you know, to interrupt you with that, I think, and I know Florida fans are not going to want to hear this, and I'm I'm, I'm strictly just calling it right down the middle, and I see it. I Trust me, I hate the Gators. I get it. Everybody's going to say you're a Miami homer, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking right down the middle. I do believe patience should be with Dan Mullen because when you lose as much offensive talent as you did last year, you kind of seen it in the bowl game that this year was going to be tough. We've seen it last year when you got slaughtered by Oklahoma. Everybody made the excuses. Well, we had all the opt-outs, blah, 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 you know, made the excuses. Well, yeah, but you knew what you were coming into after seeing your all your opt-outs. You knew all those guys were going to the draft. You had an idea that that was going to be this year. I mean, yeah, you got the transfer portal. You got all this other stuff. But you knew that there was going to be a big hole at quarterback when you had Emory Jones as your starter. The dude can't throw the ball past 25 yards without it just floating in the air. I don't know how he's a Division One quarterback, period, honestly. But Dan Mullen recruited him, stuck with him. I'm going to tip my hat to him for his loyalty. But you can't lose that much offensive talent and expect to win the SEC. You just can't. It's just not not possible. So I, I, totally- I think he deserves a pass just for because he is a hell of a coach. He just – they, they should force him to, you know, get a new defensive coordinator, which obviously that's already taken place. But he if they if he wants to come back, which that's another thing, I don't think he wants to be in Florida anymore. I think he's checked out personally. What? You read that too? You've re- you've read like not like I, read it literally, but you see that on in his mentality, right? I'm not the only one here. <laughs> yeah, but listen, when USC fired their coach weeks ago, 
I said that that's Mullen's job to have because they're not realistically going to get Urban Meyer. That's who they want. They want Urban. Urban's not going back to college. He doesn't want to do the recruiting crap. He's going to fake heart attacks even if he does. So that won't last long. They want they want Dan Mullen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I've been hearing a lot of rumors about him going to Virginia Tech if things don't work out with Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I don't the, see that. Yeah, well, I, I could, I, but at the same time, their expectations, I don't think, are as high as Florida. And that's no, like, looking down on Virginia Tech on, on by any means. I no, just, no, you just, no, that's, that's a legit take there. It's, it's, they're not, they're not on Florida's level. And the, the two things that are absolutely driving the Florida fan base crazy, because I, I know Florida fans have this, reputation of they drive off coaches they did it to Spurrier apparently it happened with Urban Meyer he felt the pressure but I think they're justified you look at all these other programs Clemson Alabama Ohio State even Miami this the fan bases are the same you're not producing pressure is going to be put on you yeah you're not producing and you're getting paid like in Mullen's case 7.6 million as a top 10 coach and this is what you're putting out on the field there's going to mm-hmm. be questions whether or not you lose talent or not. The cupboard should be full, but that's the mm-hmm. main issue with Mullen and why a lot of fans are ready to cut ties with him. It's recruiting. Mm-hmm. And sure, he had top 12 classes the past two years, but you look at it in the SEC, that's like the fifth or sixth best class. And it shows on the field. Mm-hmm. We, we can't beat Texas A&M. We haven't beat Alabama in over a decade. We've lost to them eight times in a row. They beat Georgia last year, but I think that was an outlier year because of all the talent you just mentioned. They had two first-round picks at wide receiver – sorry, wide receiver and tight end. And they had – don't get me wrong. Tim Tebow is a legend. Other guys like Rex Grossman, Danny Warfrell, Shane Matthews, guys like that, legendary. Mm-hmm. But the numbers that Kyle Trask put up were obviously record-breaking passing-wise. And I think him and Pitts and Tony – and, I mean, Tony wasn't even really a factor in that Georgia game. He had 21 receiving yards. Yeah. But I think Trask is what carried us to that win last year. Because you saw with Georgia, they were a quarterback away. And I think, well, and I think I honestly believe that Florida, and I'm going to cut you off, but I honestly believe that that's what Florida's missing. That offense could, it's it's Mullen's system. He just doesn't have a he doesn't have a pocket passer, or even if it he doesn't have a passer. Period. I mean, you see you see it with the quarterbacks you have on the roster. So the offense would be fine, and I he could plug and play anything in that offense. He's a damn offensive, damn good offensive coach. The problem is the defense. Yeah, so that's 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 what I was my other point. Other than the recruiting, is his inability to, and this just goes past Grantham on the defense. His loyalty to assistant coaches and older players with more seniority. Gator yeah. fans have noticed it, you know, over the years that Mullen has this. Not, uh, yeah, you can say loyalty to older players that aren't producing when and not even giving the younger players a chance or these coaches like Grantham and Hevesy who got the offensive line coach and defense coordinator got fired a couple weeks ago. Hevesy has been with Mullen for 20 years and people 
know about their recruiting prowess of those guys and how it's, it's not good and how they've created a toxic environment. So mm-hmm. I, I, obviously they got fired, which was a big thing. Although a lot of people don't necessarily trust that Mullen did it himself. A lot of people think it was forced and we'll never, we probably will never know about that, but yeah, of course, like I said, the two things are recruiting, which right now, Florida's class, according to 24-7, is number 23, which isn't bad overall, but it, this program shouldn't be behind South Carolina and Georgia Tech and Kentucky yeah. and Stanford and Missouri and recruit. It shouldn't be like that. Even Florida no. State, who we've already referenced to earlier as being in a dark hole right now, they're number 13 in the rankings. And I'm not saying recruiting is the end-all, be-all, but in a situation, and also to just compare Miami, they're in the same boat with the, the defensive issues and recruiting. Mm-hmm. They're number 58 in the class. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, I think, and I honestly believe where there's smoke, there's fire. I think Miami and Florida are in the same boat because I think people do believe that Mullen's leaving. I don't think he's going to get fired. Florida's not going to fire him. Because what well, who what better coach is Florida going to replace Dan Mullen with? But there's I, not. There's not. Look I, who's I, out there. I think there's there's some flaws to that argument, though. I mean, I get it, but you got to take a chance at some point. You can't just sit around and settle for nine and three, eight and four every year. I think there's got to be a point where it's like, all right, do we take the necessary risk and see if it works out? And if it doesn't, okay, we're back to square one. Or do we just sit here and kind of settle with mediocrity, so to speak? I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like both teams need to change something needs to happen oh, there's, there's there's no doubt Miami needs to change that I I just be honest with you Miami needs to wipe the whole football facility complete bleach that shit light it on fire whatever whatever analogy you want to use that whole thing needs to be wiped away right now um, and, and rebuilt but I'm just saying I think Mullen he did a hell of a job last year and he's built this program back up. And yes, it's, it may be down now, but I, I just uh, be careful what you wish for, because sometimes you just can't bounce back from it. Uh, but I mean, from where Florida has been the past 10 years, like we, we really haven't accomplished much other than two years ago, winning the orange bowl and going 11 and two and last year. Yeah. We made it to the SEC championship game in 15 and 16. We won the SEC East, but that was probably a product of a poor division. And then we got to Atlanta to play Alabama and we, we couldn't, we weren't even, didn't even look like we should have been on that field, but I don't want to run too long on that. We, there's clearly changes need to be made on the defensive side of the ball for both teams and, uh, I think both of us in ironic fashion think that new head coaches need to be brought in and, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, it's going to be an interesting season uh, with two weeks left uh, and in both situations with two weeks left. Uh, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to happen pretty soon. So then we leads to the next question. And I know you, we're trying to get off this topic, but I have to ask. So you say you want Mullen replaced. Who's the coach you want? So I got a, I got a hot board. I don't, like the fact that i've got a hot board necessarily when a change hasn't been made yet Mm -hmm. but um i got three guys uh i had to change it obviously because mel tucker was one but the rumors of this gigantic extension that he's getting kind of takes him off the table so Mm -hmm. 
I'll go from three to one. And this is not an indication of what I think is most likely. It's just who I think would be the best fit. Okay. At number three, I got Lane Kiffin. Um, <laughs> I, I get it. He's very controversial. He's, yeah. he's with the media, but the man can coach offense. He can recruit. He can bring in guys on his assistants who can recruit and coach as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. He's a retread. He's been darn near everywhere in college and NFL. And he, he his flame kind of sh- goes out quick. But if he could get matched up in a top flight SEC program, no dis- disrespect to Ole Miss. Uh, but if he could get matched up in a top flight program like that with a ton of potential, I think it could work and he'd stay. So. Mm-hmm. And if, I mean, Florida fans love offense more than anything. So, and you know, he's going to bring that aspect. It's just, oh, yeah. And he can recruit. It's just, can he hire the right guys on defense to do the job? Mm -hmm. And then can he not necessarily keep his mouth shut, but can he be normal with the media? Uh, Number number two, I got uh, Louisiana head coach Billy Napier. Uh, He's put up great results, 10 plus wins. I believe the last three years he's going for a second consecutive conference title. I know it's, it's a lower conference. I get it. It's not power five, mm-hmm. but it just, there, like I said, there needs to be new blood. There needs to be a new direction. It, it, some there, like, it's like I said, with Miami, there needs to be some sort of innovation brought in, not just let's just try the same old thing with our own variation. Like something new needs to come to the table for Florida. And I don't want to compare it to Spurrier or Meyer, but it happened. Spurrier, he brought the fun and gun to the conference, SEC conference when it had never been seen before. And mm-hmm. it revolutionized not only the conference, but college football. And then you had Meyer come in. Everybody knows about he brought in the spread offense. A lot of people doubted him for it. And mm-hmm. look what the results he got until, of course, he kind of threw in the towel his last year with us. But something new needs to change because Muschamp tried to come in and be this defensive first guy, pound the ball, kind of replicating what Saban had done earlier in his career. And then McIlwain, he just wasn't ready for the job. I mean, <laughs> he was yeah. just this weird zany guy who didn't really fit the fabric of Southern football and the mentality of it coming from the West coast. And then Mullen, he's come in, but he's, he's running the spread and defenses know how to defend that now. Like it's not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not like oh well they got the spread offense this is gonna be a problem. Plenty of deep player coaches now recruit speed just as much for defense as they do offense to where it negates that. So now you're yeah. stuck in a situation. Well, their guys are just as fast and they're stronger. So how do we get this done? So well, that's that's what quarterback play comes in. You got to have the brains, and he doesn't he doesn't have a pocket passer that can pick apart a Georgia defense or a Texas A&M defense or something like that. But I get what you're saying. But I so mean, who's your last one? And then, yeah. And then to finish off that point with the quarterback thing, no, 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 no I'm going to, I'm going to forget about that. Cause that's a whole nother conversation, but then you got <laughs> Napier. And then at number one, I got Baylor head coach, Dave Aranda. He, okay, that's a good one. I enjoy, I just, I like the way he, he has organization <clears throat> within his own organization. He's got a process. Mm-hmm. He's, He's confident in it, which most coaches are anyways. But And he, he turned around Baylor. Baylor was in a rough spot, and Aranda's come in, and he's 
replicated the success that Matt Rule and Art Bryles had there. And he's an I he can be another guy who can just come in and just change everything and just come in with a fresh face because Mullen, he's been in the SEC. This is his 13th year. He's got no championships to show for it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we gotta be we gotta be fair with that. It was at Mississippi State, and nobody went. You win eight games at Mississippi State, they're throwing <laughs> you a parade. So let's be a little fair. But I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, and that was, that's a good one. Um, well, for me, just real quick, and I won't spend too much time on this. Um, I, I hear the Lane Kiffin thing, uh, the Lane train, and a lot of people down in South Florida want him there. I, I honestly, I want no part. I want nothing to do with that. That just got train wreck written all over it. Let him stay and rot away in Ole Miss and make a couple headlines and make an ass out of himself. I don't want him in South Florida. Um, so I just want to throw that out there real quick. But um, three, I'll go from three to one. Um, three would be uh, Hugh Freeze at Liberty. Ooh, really? I know. Oh, yes. well, I don't mean interrupt, but you talk about controversial and a lot of baggage. You go with a guy who got fired because of a whole lot of recruiting violations. <laughs> yes, and I know that, but listen, at the end of the day, everybody deserves a second chance. Look at Lane Kiffin. I think Hugh Freeze is, isn't going to have as big of a mouth as Lane Kiffin. That's that's kind of where, you know, he's going to be humble about the second chance. He's going to come in, work hard. That's why I have him at three. I doubt the University of Miami would be in a private institution, would ever even come close to, to hiring him. But what he did with Ole Miss – and the players that he recruited and put in the NFL, to me, is is second to none. That was a phenomenal job at Ole Miss, and I get it. He had the recruiting scandals and the prostitution stuff. I, I understand he made some big mistakes, and um, he's made made the best of it at Liberty, and I think he deserves a second chance at a big-time program. Um, so he would be three. Two would be Tom Herman. Um, I think he got a raw deal at Texas, just like I think Charlie Strong got a raw, raw deal at Texas. Texas is in a mindset of they think that they this is old school football where you can just we're Texas. We we have the most money. We can throw money at it and fix it. It's everybody has money nowadays in college. It's just what separates it is who wants to throw the money at it. And do you make the right decisions? Do you have your right football guys in your facility? And Texas hasn't had that since. Mac Brown, when Mac Brown was getting old and senile anyway. Um, but again, they've been in the dumpster since firing him. So um, I would go with Tom Herman, number two, but number one, it, it's got to be Mario Cristobal. What he's doing in Oregon, and it's it's a homer pick. You, I know you put your hands, you know, your head in your hands, but this guy, he is a phenomenal coach, and Oregon was a dumpster fire. And they literally shouldn't even be in the top four right now. They don't even have a quarterback. They are winning games without a starting quarterback. That is not – that's unheard of. He went into Ohio State without a quarterback, without their their two best defensive players and, and beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. You don't do that. That's a well-coached team. He's a damn good coach, and he could recruit the hell out of the state of Florida. He did it for Nick Saban for years. So – um, he is a former Kane. I know people are going to say I'm being biased, being this. I'm just talking about that tough, no-nonsense mentality. That's what the University of Miami needs. It needs that. We don't need the chain. We don't need the flash. We need somebody who's going to look at the players in their eyes, tell them shut their mouth and watch film. Let's let's get to work. And 
we don't need the chains anymore. We don't need the flashy. We don't need the parties. We need to just put our hard hats on and go to work. And that's the type of coach he is. So honestly, are they going to pay the money to get him? Doubt it. Cause that's what Miami's proven to us year after year after year. But another thing that does kind of give me hope is there was a 0% chance that Mario Cristobal was coming to the university of Miami. If Blake James was the athletic director um, still, because he did not like Blake James when he was an assistant coach there. Um, and he quit, he left the program because he's seen what Al Golden was doing to the program. And that's when um, Nick Saban ended up hiring him um, that same off season. So w- there is a little bit of hope. I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to be like saying, yes, it's going to happen. It's going to happen until he actually is in Miami wearing a Canes hat again, but that he would be my number one coach because he just fits who we are and what we need to do. So, so I, I was, I did not agree with two and three, but I do agree with one. That'd be, like that, the ultimate grand slam hire for Miami, and but like yeah. you, like you alluded to, it'll be the big thing will be the money aspect because he's got a lot of money tied up with that program, and it's going to be hard to match Nike and Phil Knight yeah. in their affiliation. So, and I, I also think it's it's easier to win in the Pac-12 than it is in the ACC. So. Oh, it's much yeah, much easier because especially with USC down. But I, I got to ask you though, you you know you said you need something new, but Hugh Freeze's offense is it's, it's different. It's the way he, the way he coaches it, the way he calls the plays. He's a very good play caller. He sets his plays up phenomenal. If you watch, you go back and watch the Ole Miss games um, when they beat Alabama. It's like, I understand it was a couple lucky plays and a lot of people aren't going to remember it, but he, he's, he sets his plays up very well. And um, I don't know. He's just a very intelligent coach. And I don't think Tom Herman would fit Miami, but I think he's a damn good coach. And we need somebody who's 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 who can coach these kids up because there is talent in South Florida. There's talent in Miami right now, and it's just not being capped out. Right. That makes uh, any sense. No, I mean I, I agree with Hugh Freeze and what he's his offensive coaching acumen, but you know, with with what's tied to his name and the violations, do you really want to? not necessarily go through that again but the first sign of issues there's got to be a little bit of here we go again. i want to i want to win football games and i want to <laughs> win meaningful football games at this point i don't if he's going to win us 10 11 12 games we're going to be in acc championship games he's got my forgiveness right off the bat listen i get it people were hurt things were done i understand that it happens you see it every year though you see it every single year urban meyer is did all that in the Ohio state and he's coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars now. So, and nobody even talks about what he did. So well, it's, it's these coaches do things and everybody does it. Just is your name attached to it? And I'm not saying to that extent, but you're telling me that Kirby smart and Nick Saban aren't sliding blank checks to some of these elite players. Come on. It's being done. Hey, they, they have some excellent bagmen. <laughs> yes, exactly. So there's scandals everywhere in this time, this sport with this kind of money flying around in it, especially. Um, but I just think that everybody deserves a second chance. And if you can win some damn football games, bring them down here because we <laughs> we need to play meaningful championship games. I, I agree with you there. I just, for the sake of Miami fans and their program, if they were to bring Freeze in, I would just hope and pray for you guys that he doesn't get you the program into another scandal because yeah. everybody, everybody knows Miami was almost hit with the death penalty 
And yeah. so I would assume that the NCAA keeps an extra watchful eye on Miami and always has because of those issues and their leash might be shorter. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, that's just my opinion, but. Well, the NCAA, I'm telling you, it's, it's dying off here soon. I mean, it's going to be the wild, wild west anyway. Now, we don't obviously want any anybody's children to be prostituted out or anything like that, any scandals like that. But I'm saying it's it's going to be the wild, wild west as far as money, parties, things like that, <laughs> um, agents. Uh, it, within within four, three, four years, it's it's going to be crazy. So. Oh, I mean, I, hey, listen, being um... – working in on a website that covers the uh, Gator sports. Uh, just last night I was checking out uh, Instagram and Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. They got their obvious NIL deals. Like most players, they both have one with Outback Steakhouse and yeah. uh, they took out their offensive line last night and uh, Jones took a picture of the bill and it was like $700. So it was crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> Not saying that it's wrong or anything like that, but I, I understand where you're coming from, where it's it's the wild, wild west. You know, these guys are getting cars. And so it, it – Yeah, times have definitely changed because it's funny. You're talking about a state dinner, and I remember uh, – what was it? Back in, I want to say, 07, 08, uh, we had a safety. The University of Miami had a safety, Ray Ray Armstrong. He literally got kicked off the team because he had an agent pay for a steak dinner for him. So <laughs> times have definitely changed. And that's good. I, I like it. I think these guys need to get, you know, paid while they're in college or rewarded and so. Oh yeah. So that's that was whew, that went longer than I thought with college, but college uh, seems to bring out more emotions, raw emotions, and. Uh, most sports just because of loyal long time loyalty to college teams with but moving on talk about the nfl also are right in the smack dab middle of it as we start to actually more get to the second half of the season as we got week 11 coming up uh just you, i wanted to hit on just some of your points some of the big storylines so far in the nfl what have you what have you got to say about how the season has transpired well, um, it's you know what I'm really kind of shocked with the way right. Kansas City's playing. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, you're good. I'm just kind of shocked with the way Kansas City's playing. They upgraded their offensive line, um, but to me, it's like obviously their defense has so many holes. But the bigger problem is like how inaccurate and poorly. I mean, obviously this past week Patrick Mahomes played great, but but before that, though, he's been off. He's his numbers have been down. He's been throwing a lot more interceptions. It's, he's not playing how uh, we're used to seeing Patrick Mahomes play. So that's kind of been a little shocking. Um, Tampa Bay also, you know, everybody says that they were going to re- they were set to repeat and this and that. Um, so those two teams are kind of they're, they're playing poorly right now. And I'm kind of shocked by that, especially Tampa Bay's defense, because, you know, it's it's been re- it was really well last year. And uh, this year, it's 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 terrible this year. So, and now that I said that, they're about to destroy my Giants here Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> tough, tough decade for you, buddy. I'm really feeling it, for you. It's all right. You know, <laughs> I just gotta hang in there. Good times are coming. <laughs> um, yeah. What about I, you? I well, uh, <laughs> I think Tom Brady might be sandbagging a little bit. I'm obviously just kidding, but 
it's fun mm-hmm. to think that you know maybe he's just oh let's let's lull them to sleep a little bit and then we'll <laughs> let's crush everybody in the playoffs like I we always do or any team he's on and I agree I, it, it's surprising for the Chiefs not necessarily the defensive issues but the the offense um, they brought in a lot of additions to the offensive line that were applauded and it's for me (laughs) it's weird saying they're they're both disappointing because they're both leading their division right now and yeah (laughs) and yet there's still question marks and but i can we i for me the regular season yes it's important but it's it's about what happens in the playoffs and i know you're you're not gonna bet against tom brady in the playoffs especially with the supporting cast he has Mm-hmm. More so, less the Chiefs. Um, they got a little bit more question marks. I don't trust Mahomes as much as Brady, but looking at the AFC, the Bills are really good, but they've had low points. The the Ravens, they're good, but they also have issues they need to worry about, specifically uh, with the offense at times. And then you got the Titans, great defense, but without Derrick Henry, uh, it's I don't know. Tannehill's solid but I don't think he can carry them to a Super Bowl. No, uh, I, I know Derrick Henry will be back eventually, but will he be the same with the foot injury? So I'm really surprised about the Cowboys. I know they have a lot of talent, a lot of money being spent on that talent, but I did not expect Dak to come back and play as well as he has from a, a traumatic injury. And then also the defense. I mean, it's, by no stretch of the imaginations locked down or the best, but it's, it's definitely improved and it's been a big part of their game. And then also the, the Arizona Cardinals, we all knew they had a lot of talent, but it's more or less, could they put it together? And yeah. they're, they're finally starting to, although the, the offense hasn't looked as good uh, unsurprisingly without Kyler Murray. So although the rumors will are that he will be back this week. So I there's I don't want to say there's huge surprises. I'm, I'm kind of I'm not really thrown off by anything that's happened. Maybe it may, I but probably the Rams are better than I thought they were, and the Seahawks without Russ are not a good team. But now that he's back, we'll see if they can bounce back. Uh, I thought the Colts would be a little better, but they. I guess you can't trust a Carson Wentz-led team. Um, the Browns have been a bit of a disappointment, uh, but they have so many injuries. It's I don't want to make excuses for them, but it's it's going to be tough for them to come back from that. Although they do get Nick Chubb back this week, I would say. Well, that, I will, or I will say that I will. I was going to say that because uh, my surprise team is Cincinnati. You know they've they've played really well some really good football this year, especially that win against Baltimore a couple weeks ago. And then listen, I know people are not going to want to hear this, but New England they're back. <laughs> Belichick Belichick got him a quarterback, and he is he's coming for vengeance now. Obviously not going to win a Super Bowl, but let me tell you, he wasn't down for long because <laughs> they have a they have a damn shot to win that division because Buffalo can be had. I mean, they just lost to Jacksonville last week. They, they have no run game. Their defense isn't playing as well as it was last year as far as the secondary goes. So 
I'm telling you, if Mac Jones could take care of the ball, <laughs> that's a perfect damn fit. And when we did our draft show back in the spring, I told you, I said, don't be surprised he goes to New England. I don't know if we could rewind the tape on that, but that was the perfect fit. And damn it, man, that I'm telling you, Bill Belichick's a genius. He's he's a damn good head coach, and uh, he's already got them boys back. I, I mean, he's, he's by far better than the Dolphins. I remember all the hype we had with Miami coming into this season and what are they, three and seven? I mean, that's a train wreck in itself, which, I mean, we've we seen that. We've both seen that with Tua. So, it, really, uh, New England is a big surprise that they are, you know, that well, 7-4 right now. Uh, but in Cincinnati, man, I, I tell you what, I know Joe, Joe Burrow and, and his shaky start and everything because of the knee injury, but I'm just surprised how well they've, they've, they've played. I know, you know, they're only five and four and they're third in that, but that division is tough. So... Those are my two surprising teams as far as like on positive notes. Uh, I can, I, I agree. Those are good picks uh, in terms of surprise on the good side of things. I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys. And I've for, said for those reasons, the Prescott re uh, comeback and the defense, you know, and obviously, like I said, the defense is not top notch. They are 16th overall and defense mm -hmm. and yards per game giving up 360 but it's a lot better than what it has been in the past and yeah. their offense is number one in the league at 433 yards per game so if the in 31 points mark my words mccarthy will find a way to screw it up when you have aaron Rodgers as your your quarterback for over a decade and you win one super bowl with it you're a crappy head coach just saying we'll we'll move forward <laughs> uh so and they're sitting at seven and two and the, the division is not good again, uh, of course, other than the Cowboys. But the other three teams are two or more games below 500. Take it easy. Come on now. Not the bully. <laughs> They're not as bad as last year, but we, there's still plenty of time. You know, things could yeah. turn around real quick. Not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> and then my disappointing team is – I don't want to do the same as you, but I do agree. The Dolphins, that's a big disappointment. I mentioned the Browns. They're also not what I expected them to be, but you can also attribute that to injuries. But my pick is the 49ers. Okay. Last year was a throwaway year. They had so many injuries with Joey Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Jimmy G, and Raheem Moster. They were just losing guys left and right. Debo Samuel. Uh, and – this year they're sitting at four and five. They they did have an impressive win last week over the Rams that may turn their season around, but I thought they were, I predicted they'd be a lot better just because of the, the talent they have. And Kyle Shanahan, he's, he's a very good coach, but mm -hmm. the offense is not terrible. I, would, I mean, it's not top 10 as they sit at 14th in yards per game and for points per game, they are, right around the same margin and but i i really expected the defense to be a bit better and, and they're not a terrible defense in terms of yards per game they're eighth at 334 yeah. yards per game but with all the top end talent they have on that side of the ball i expected a little bit more from them and in points per game they're more towards the middle of the pack at 23.6 so it I don't know what – I can't put my finger on it. I, I'm going to lean towards the defense, but 
as I said, they looked really good against the Rams last Sunday mm-hmm. night. So maybe that's a sign of things to come as they maybe start yeah. to get into a groove. Because Garoppolo I, hasn't he hasn't Garoppolo hasn't played bad. And normally when their record is bad or you know, it's because of injuries, like you said, or because of Garoppolo is just you know, wet in the bed, so to speak. So, but he hasn't played bad ball this year. So, no, and he's, I, I agree with you on that. He's been solid. Uh, not, he's not going to blow you away and carry the team like some other guys will. But, yeah, I mean, he is number 11 in the league in QBR at 57. He's only, he's right behind Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott. So, which is kind of mm-hmm. surprising. You wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily ex- expect that, but. I, Sometimes that competitive, you know, juice of them drafting a quarterback kind of relit a fire under his backside and, you know, and I, really, focus. and I really thought it was going to be Trey Lance's job once Garoppolo got hurt, but Lance, mm-hmm. eh, he's not ready yet. And a, a Shanahan is obviously more trusting of Garoppolo. So yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see there. It's, it's a very tough division because as I mentioned, the Cardinals, they're really good. The Rams, even though they've, had a couple of ugly losses in a row. They are still a really talented team. And then even the Seahawks, even though they're at the bottom of that division, a lot of that can be attributed to not having their star, Russell Wilson. Now he's back, although that first game back was not pretty. But the Packers have mm-hmm. a really good defense. So, yes, for once, it's very, yeah. very odd to <laughs> say that. <laughs> it's a damn shock right there. But so we'll, we'll, We'll keep tabs on this. I mean, I think uh, we had big predictions back when we did our quarterback show where we thought Deshaun Watson would come on to one of these teams. And like I think I believe I said the 49ers or the Dolphins. I can't quite remember. And then mm-hmm. I, I'm not quite sure what re- you said, what team, but. I did. Uh, I said Miami and uh, I think it was one of the sleepers I had I'd picked was uh, Atlanta. So, yeah, and that's those are both good. And, you know, look, hindsight's twenty twenty now. Matt Ryan is just not what he used to be. Father time's catching up with him. So maybe. Yeah, I mean, my number one, my number one pick was definitely Miami, just because I I knew that I knew this Tua thing was complete garbage, you know. So (laughs) anyway, well, that's another time for another show. We're going to we've been running a little late here. But, yeah, that's we'll see. We'll see what happens in the offseason. Just to – and a couple of news and notes for the NFL. Amari Cooper tested positive for COVID, so he'll miss at least the next two games. Tough break, but the Cowboys are loaded on offense. As the Seahawks, they lost their starting running back, Chris Carson. He's opting for surgery. So now it's Alex Collins and DJ Dallas and Travis Homer. Um, Alvin Kamara will be out this week for the Saints against the Eagles. And – uh, it means Mark Mark Ingram is going to be in charge of that offense again. Khalil Mack is going to have season-ending foot surgery for the Bears. Any thoughts on any of these headlines as uh, we head into predictions? Well, I don't. What's going on with Alvin Kamara? Like, I don't. This is just kind of come out of the blue because a little biased. I have him on my fantasy team, and just I don't even remember seeing him get hurt. I don't remember the play. Uh, I just – I don't remember that happening. Well, uh, it, I believe it's a knee injury. and uh, But it might be – I don't want to say the Saints are doing it on purpose, but he's gotten a lot of work the past couple of years, and 
They went out and got Mark Ingram, who's obviously nowhere near as talented as Kamara, but maybe. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, was it like, did it, I knew it was the knee, but I'm saying, did it happen at practice? Because I don't remember seeing it in any of their games. I know he didn't play last game, but against the last game they played before that was against the Bucs. And I don't remember him getting hurt against Tampa. Right, right. Uh, To be, well, before. He, it said he did suffer it during the Falcons game, but he played through oh. it. Okay. So okay. that's when he, it initially happened. And right. knowing Kamara, he's going to play through pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, and it, it, Sean Payton described it as just soreness this week. So mm-hmm. not quite sure what's going to happen there. I mean, maybe we should have known something was up when they went out and got Mark Ingram at the trade deadline. So, yeah. but Sean Payton's keeping everything close to the vest. Uh, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but like I said, there's a possibility that they're keeping him out to rest him up. Load, load management, bringing the NBA to the NFL. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so, and I, I mean, they're still right in the square of the playoff hunt. So I could see yeah. sitting him, sitting him this week because they have a very winnable game against the Eagles. No disrespect mm-hmm. to the. Nah, it's okay. You could disrespect the Eagles, Cowboys, and Redskins on this show. So, oh, whoa, 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 easy. Washington football team, buddy. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right, guys. But um, after this week against Philly, they got two very difficult games at home, at least against the Bills and the Cowboys. So, Kamara might be getting a ton of work, especially with Jameis Winston done for the year and them having to rely on Simeon. So I could see them yeah. resting him for those two games, and then their schedule eases up with the Jets, and then they got the Bucks, then the Dolphins, and then the Panthers and Falcons. So three really hard games, but then they also have four to five really winnable games. And as long as they win those five and maybe one of those three tough games, I could they'll make the playoffs, and these couple weeks of rest for Kamara will be beneficial. But real quick before we go, I want to hear – who you have in the Super Bowl as of right now? Oh, come on, right? Really? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'm going to have – I know the Rams just got blown out, you know, but I'm going with the Rams. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Um, and as far as, as far as the AFC goes, man, I, I, hate, I hate doing it, but I'm going to have to go with um, – Kansas City, just because I still think they're the most talented roster, top to bottom in the NFL. So I can I can I can vibe to that. I I agree with the Chiefs until somebody knocks them off. The AFC is going through Kansas City. And yeah, because Mahomes Mahomes is too talented to be playing like this. I mean, you've seen it this past Sunday night. Uh, what he throw for five touchdown passes over four hundred yards, something like that. Some crazy fantasy numbers, of course. But um, that's it's it's obviously not going to be that every week, but it's going to be something closer to that rather than what he's been playing the previous three games. So, right. And I know I I alluded to Brady and the Bucks sandbagging. Uh, they will make it to at least the NFC Championship game, but I think if there's one team that can knock them off in the NFC, it's because of their quarterback, and that's the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. I think there's one mm-hmm. guy who can 
outgun Tom Brady in a playoff game, it's it's Aaron Rodgers, at least in the NFC. I don't see Dak Prescott doing it, nor do I see – They don't have the defense. They don't have the defense for that. Right, and I, I honestly don't think Kyler Murray's ready for that yet. I think in a couple mm-hmm. of years maybe when Brady's 47 or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then um, the Rams, I – I'm really high on them still, but they've been exposed the last couple weeks, and it's gonna be it's gonna be up to McVeigh and the coaching staff to figure out what they need to do differently, or it might just be the Odell Beckham Jr. curse. I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> I I'm gonna go with the Chiefs and the Packers for now. Okay, and it's gonna it's it's gonna be the battle of the State Farm quarterbacks. There's gonna be. <laughs> Uh, if that was the Super Bowl, so I think State they, Farm wins because they're going to make a commercial for it anyway. Yeah, I think the the over for points in that game is at least a hundred. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Because uh, I know the Packers are they're vastly improved on defense, but that's that's my pick. So I I appreciate everybody for listening to the show. I know we had a long layoff, but we're back in full speed ahead during football season. Danny, I appreciate you for being here and I appreciate your, you having me. Thanks, fellas. Knowledge on the America's new pastime. And, and ladies, if any ladies are listening, thank you, ladies, too. I know there's right. only football fans, you know. So. <laughs> I um, once again, I appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, once again, this is the newly named, newly rebranded Gridiron City. I am your host, Alan Barney, with my co-host Danny Heffernan. And we'll see everybody next time. Have a great night.